You're now entering a restricted zone. Welcome to Area 52. Hello, and welcome back, everybody, to another uh, episode of the Area 52 podcast. I was not prepared Hello. for you to do that. What? Oh. I wanted to, uh, <laughs> I always do like a really serious, hello, but I was hello. Yeah. I, I wasn't ready, Why but it just, was a great change. Yeah, you know what? We, we, I don't always want people to assume that we're going to give them the same hello every time. It's going to change up, that we can give them a different in, uh, greeting. Each and every time. It'd be like Kramer coming through the door. It's going to be a different version every time. Right. There's been people listening who are like, I just want a more flamboyant intro. Yeah, and now they're like, you know what? This is the show for that me. That was this our biggest complaint. <laughs> yep. Here we go. Boring Nailed. ass Nailed intro. <laughs> yeah. uh, welcome back. Um, thank you very much for, uh, for tuning in uh, once again to Area 52. Last week, if, um, well, we, we kind of took a week off. We were we typically go every week, and we took kind of a week. We We've missed you guys. We missed you guys because Eric, you uh, went on rich white person vacation <laughs> with your parents. You AKA went on Hawaii. Yep. Oh, look at you! Yep. My parents take me on vacation because. <laughs> oh, how was that? Uh, it was good. I liked it. We went for their uh, 34th wedding anniversary. Oh, well, yep. happy anniversary oh, to nice. them. We were also celebrating a very white thing and having a successful uh, two parents staying married thing. <laughs> so, yeah, it's <that's> awesome. <laughs> I don't know if I can let how, <laughs> how, uh, how was How was Hawaii? Did you, was there any, was there any, uh, any, News coming off the islands that would pertain to what we do here. Did you see any Hawaiian ghosts? Uh, any any aliens in in grass skirts? No, I. The only thing I saw was a ton of homeless people, and I got to be honest. If I'm going to be homeless, I want to be homeless in Hawaii. Yeah, we talked about this yeah. a little bit on the way over. And yeah. I mean, Eric has a really good point. Yeah, he, you know, he kind of just said, if 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 you know that this is where your path is going, yeah. Like if I knew, like if the bank was like, "Sorry, we got to take your house in 30 days," and I wasn't getting anything back, I'd be like, "All right, I'd sell my car, buy a ticket, and be homeless in Hawaii. I'd live Absolutely. on the beach." They got showers there for Good people. Good weather all the time. Outside, exactly. Mm -hmm. No snow. Doesn't get cold. Just pull mm -hmm. fish out of the ocean yeah. with your with your hands. I can yeah. trade and barter fish and uh, sexual favors for things that I need. <laughs> to the ladies who visit the main <laughs> island. Are you I mean, are you can... Adam Sandler from Fifty First Dates? <laughs> Is that what he did? Well, he was he was a philanderer. Okay. Um, that'd be a, I would be a gigolo in Hawaii. That's what I would do. So I wouldn't technically be homeless. I would bring them to my bungalow. No, those are very different blue, occupations. A blue Eric. tarp on the beach. <laughs> a homeless, a jiggle, a gigolo, a jigga hobo. Yeah. Jig would you be a clean yeah. one? A jig hobo. I would, I would be like Matthew McConaughey and smell like the ocean. Okay. I guess there's some women that want that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, that does it for episode seven. Uh, we, I don't know what we could talk about that's uh, more disturbing. You're back. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, you're back. And, and um, we, we spent the last couple weeks trying to figure out what we wanted to go next. Because there's so many different avenues of what we do on, on Area 52. Um, and for the most part, most of the things we talk about, you kind of have to have 
a sense of believe a belief in what we talk about an open mind sure Mm -hmm. we've talked about conspiracy theories people who may or may not be alive uh projects from the government things that you kind of have to go well huh well if i'm going to believe in this thing i need to uh i need to have an open mind i need to um believe that things aren't what they seem maybe you just like the idea of believing in something like this exactly it's kind of fun it is. It's, it is. It's kind it's of fun. A, it's a bit of a fantasy, so to speak. Sure. It's 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 better than mundane, Science boring fiction. old life. Absolutely. Sure. But today we kind of wanted to get into a subject that you guys don't really have to be. Uh, you know, it's it doesn't require you to open your mind and expand your belief. Today we wanted to kind of too much. Not too much. Some of them uh, do have some interesting components. I mean, we're not just talking about oatmeal here. It's, no. it's a little more interesting. It It's one up from oatmeal. Just one, though. It goes oatmeal, this. Yep. But today what we wanted to talk about was mysterious disappearances. Murders or disappearances of people uh, that have happened over the few, last hundred years or so that are still to this day quite baffling in how how they uh who who done it if you will um there's a lot of these you know there's some that people are very aware of there are murder sprees and we can get into this later people like Jack the Ripper or the Zodiac who were never caught um but I don't I don't necessarily want to talk about killers who were never caught I want to talk about isolated incidents uh for instance um one of the most famous ones that I think a lot of people know about and and it's a it's a perfect example of one of this is the Black Dahlia murder. The Black Dahlia uh, was the name of a murder that was given to uh, Elizabeth Short, who was an actress. Young girl. Young girl. uh, Like many young girls, came to L.A. to make her fortune, wanted to be in pictures. And (laughs) and she met met somebody, clearly, who uh, she shouldn't have met. And her body was found on the side of the road. Uh, mm. placed in a very, um, it was cut in half and drained almost completely of blood. It was cut open in certain ways. It was, her face had been cut almost like the Joker, kind of Ugh. into a smile. Uh, people who'd said that who had done this to her was, you know, and probably had skillful surgical medical, training, medical uh, training. Medical skill, precision anyhow with a knife. to what Jack the Ripper Kind of uh, w- people had suspected of him. He was a little more beastly, it seemed. Well, a little more carefree with how things looked. He, I don't think he cared so much that it looked nice. As yeah, it was. this almost seemed like a, like a statement, like an art project mm-hmm. or something that had the way they placed her. Um, but nobody really, nobody was ever charged. Uh, there was a lot of suspects. The number one suspect, um, the guy that most people believe did it, was a gentleman named George Hodel. Uh, his, even his own children. Even George Hodel's own children. Pretty interesting. Thought that George Hodel. Was I would the almost killer. think that he did it just looking at his house alone. Yeah, the the Ugh. the old. Have Hodel you seen house. that, Eric? No, but I just googled it. She just popped up. I pe- oh, uh, check yeah. out where Doctor Hodel lives. Yeah, look it up is George Hodel's really, house. Really, I mean, the okay. architecture of it is so strange. Uh, they did not hesitate to put these pictures. Okay, <laughs> what was his name, Doctor George Hodel? H O D E L, and um, our. Uh, I almost said our friends. They're not. Oh, we don't know them, but uh, we, I feel like I do. I've watched every episode of their show. The good, the good guys over at Ghost Adventures actually did the Hotel House in their last season, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and, I think they uh, did. And spent the night there and hung out and uh, and got some interesting stuff. But the the reason being is that there was this room in 
the Hodel house that George Hodel's kids were were forbidden. It was like, and now here's the thing is, and the question was asked in the video we watched, and this is a good question, is did they know about this room or was it a secret room? Was it like part of the house? Just don't go down here. Um, because uh, some people believe that that's where she was killed, that she was killed in the Hodel house, that he had some sort of secret room where he killed people. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I mean, it could have been my, my grandparents on my mom's side actually had a, a down in their basement, a lot of, and not necessarily hidden rooms, but a lot of like closets and things that were disguised with either the wallpaper of that room and like the doorknob was kind of hidden or things behind bookshelves. So they had cool rooms. And I mean, certainly not for the purpose of, uh, dismembering bodies. Yeah. <laughs> so but it's totally be... plausible that there was a room that was and either hidden in plain sight. It's a big house too. Yeah. Like yeah. It's a, oh yeah. It's, this dude had money. He was lots a of nooks and crannies. He was, he was a doctor who had fi- mm-hmm. like, like medical and training. That's, that's the kind of the cool, not cool. But I the, say but not. the aha. The, yes. The yeah. aha moment was that, well, if he was precise with a knife, he could have certainly done something Sure. Like yeah, his kids black believe that he was killing. he was a a murderer. I, he, they thought he was a monster. I actually have a quote here from one of his sons that pulled up. Uh, it says the doctor's own stun son Steve Hodel mm-hmm. uh, himself, a retired city of Los Angeles homicide detective, argued in his 2003 book Black Delilah Avenger that Dahlia. Uh, oh, sorry, Dahlia Avenger that the uh, Black Dahlia victim Elizabeth Short was actually tortured, murdered, and dissected by his father inside the Soden House in January 1947. That would that would suck to have your own kids be like, "Nah, my dad did this." Yeah, and and here's the thing: that same son um, brought a police dog to the residence in 2012, and it was said to have been able to te- detect human remains on the property. Now, but uh, here's it is my... a private re- residence now, right? Right. It's owned by somebody. So they, they're not so they a lot of people. Dig. They can't go inside and they can't dig. They can't dig. Um, but yeah, this is an enormous there was house. A, you were right. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a big, big house and it's and laid it's out so really interesting weird. Looking. It's got like the middle part mm-hmm. is open and then there's hallways that yeah. go around it. It's almost like not uh, tribal, but it almost looks like Mayan or Aztec. Yeah. Like a, Aztecian, is that the right like word? A, it looks like a Masonite um, like e, temple or yeah, something. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, like, yeah, it's like yeah, a shrine, like a place yeah. that you would sacrifice bodies. Yeah, it looks like that. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't look like a home. It doesn't look like a no. place that you'd raise children. It looks like a... I thought I was looking at the wrong pictures It looks first. like a like a fortress or a barrack, yeah. Um, but... It's a little over the top. There was... The, I, I guess he was a suspect, and there had been um, the theory or the idea that he had paid off cops, that he'd had friends in the L.A. Police Department. We all know that uh, you know the L.A. Police Department was corrupt for years. In the, I mean, any police department. I mean, it, it's a hard not to have corruption, especially when you're somebody who's influential and you have money, blah, blah, blah. Um, but he was reportedly, supposedly bugged at one point and was heard on tape saying... That if he had killed the Black Dahlia, no one could prove it now. So, again, we're not saying George Hodel did it, but there's a lot of... uh, You know, it also does kind of make a statement to place a body out in the open, in a ditch, where you want it to be seen, that's surgically... You're not hiding this, burying this. That is surgically, um, for lack of better terms, taken care of. Yeah. um, And he did And done in a way that is almost... Well, and the point I'm trying to make is that it... It's it's almost done in a way of look what I did just mm-hmm. because I could. Yeah, There's and a real it sense kind of, of fits. It kind of fits it. a lot along with the personality of who Doctor Hodel was supposed to be, and also for me, his house. <laughs> I judge people kind of based on their house. Sorry, <laughs> but I, I just mean like it wasn't warm. 
Right. I'm just saying like, but it's also a gaudy house mm-hmm. just because I can. Right. You know, it's not yeah. like. That's a good point. No, that's all I mean by that. So. Not to stereotype no, anybody that, or judge anyone no. incorrectly, Dr. Hodel. <laughs> but, if but, you're listening <laughs> in spirit. Here's the thing about the Black Dolly is that there's been a lot of uh, speculation over the years about who did it. And there's been, you know, people who have chased leads. And, and But the fact of the matter is, is that when somebody goes missing, when some of these cases happen, not every time are there the pieces. You know, a lot of times when you want to solve a crime, when you want to solve something, you go, okay, well, here's the weapon. Here's the body. Here's the thing. There's the spray. I can see. Here's the thing. The killer walked. People are good at that. Right. But sometimes, especially with these older cases and in some of these other ones that we're going to talk about, we don't have those elements. There aren't extensive crime scene photos. There aren't police records, uh, you know, that tell detailed uh, accounts. Yeah, I mean, they just didn't have the technology or they didn't have the know how or the the concern to do things back then. Right. It was consideration. And I don't mean in a. They weren't concerned. I just mean they, they weren't, they didn't know yet. Uh, how, this is a, this is a line of procedure you know that we should take. Prince? How would you right. know to not, or to secure the thing yeah, that we could contaminate like that. blood evidence or that mm-hmm. we could find DNA? Well, even, uh, it wasn't that long ago that they used to check for fingerprints manually. Like you had that magnifying glass and you would look and like try to match the ridges. Yeah. You know, like the computer database oh, wow. is like a fairly new thing. Yeah. Like even in the... I can't remember, but even back in the 80s, it was all, you had to like look at the fingerprint and, and then just compare it to everything you had in a oh, book. Oh, right. And it was just back and forth. Right. And that would have taken forever. And you could mess up. You could be like, oh, no, that does. And that could have been the fingerprint, you know? Right. But you're tired. You've been doing it for hours looking at ridges and. And, and, the, and, and so. And we're not talking about potato chips. <laughs> Darn it. Ruffles. Once you pop. <laughs> but once you, but, but that's true. But, but when you. When you look back at these cases, you realize that that there's so many unanswered questions that now, to this point, will never be answered. A lot of these places, they don't exist. A lot of these bodies, they've never been found. These, there's, there's no wreckage. There's nothing. We have to speculate on what exists. And so today, that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about some of the more obscure, uh, well, and, and, and quite frankly, some of the more, I don't know, mind-boggling, baffling cases that will Unsolved keep you, mysteries. That will keep you I don't know. Up. Can we use that term as a trademark? <laughs> Just as long as you don't do the Robert Stack. The right. <laughs> um, that intro scared me as a kid. Oh, man. That show, man. Was, so, that show was so good and scary. Oh, that, yeah. I, I loved that, that it was like the guy always just... It, it was it was a show about things that weren't solved. The killer is still out there and he could be in your backyard and the ghost of the dream. Yeah, and then you went to bed. And then you... Yeah, then you <laughs> and your parents asleep. tucked you in. Yeah. Uh, and that... <laughs> Yeah, that music would keep. But playing. I am, I am so excited to talk about this stuff. So, so this is awesome. Let's stuff. get into it now. There are hundreds of these cases out there that are unsolved. There are so many cold cases out there that there are shows about cold cases. So today we wanted to just pick some of our favorites. First up, we wanted to talk about an event known as the Hinterkaifeck Murders. The Hinterkaifeck murders took place in 1922 in Germany, uh, an area that is pretty much just north of Munich in Germany. The story goes as such. A family, a family of consisting of six people, uh, the father, uh, 
Andreas, the mother, Kazilia, both older people in their 70s, their middle-aged widowed daughter, Victoria, and her two children, her daughter, Kazilia, who was seven, and her son, Joseph, who was two, as well as a maid named Maria Baumgartner, were all found killed at this farm, this Hinterkaifeck farm. I will not be attempting a German accent. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll leave that up to you. This, this event, uh, the bodies were found, four of them, in a barn, two of them in a house. Uh, each of the victims had been killed with a mattock. A pickaxe. A pickaxe. As uh, you might know it. Uh, as you might know it. Um, but before we kind of tell you anymore, let's go back and explain this story. Yeah, I mean, it's tragic to hear that, that six people were killed, knowing that there were a couple young children involved. But it's really the circumstances surrounding these murders that make it so fascinating and, and truly unforgettable in the sense that you kind of, you can't stop thinking about it. You kind of think to yourself, how could this be possible? And, and you'll kind of understand when we explain it to you a little bit. The day of the murder was actually the first day of work for the new maid, Maria Baumgartner. The previous maid, uh, who had quit, um, had quit because she said that the house was haunted. She had quit because she had heard what she described as phantom footsteps coming from the attic. Up to about six months, six prior months prior to, to the any of this happening. So to the new maid even being there for almost half a year, this old maid was hearing these noises. She believed she was hearing footsteps in the attic and voices and just things were, you know, being displaced around the house. And she just she just felt that there was something amiss. Right. Also, prior to this, uh, the father, Andreas, had found a set of footprints that led out of the forest. In the wintertime, so it's snow, that's how he's seeing these Yeah, they were in the snow. Leading from the forest to the house, but none leading back. He also found a strange newspaper that that looked like somebody had been reading on his porch, I believe. They were just sitting there. He said that him and the family had never subscribed to it. And by the way, this information is coming from a neighbor. A neighbor was... Uh, said to have been told this by they Andreas. How many newspapers were back then? I would assume that they yeah. had like one newspaper. Like, right, I agree. Like and, the, and unless it was unless it was from a different town, that's I don't know true. that one specifies that it was where it was Who from. Knows? Just they said one that they didn't good, subscribe to. That's a good to. point. You know that these a lot of this is is you know neighbor accounts and things yeah. that have been passed down. Um, but he, the, the, from all accounts, the Grubers had. People knew them. They were social. Their daughter, Kazilia, sang in the choir. Um, he had money. Wasn't known as the nicest guy. Their daughter, guy. Victoria. I'm sorry, Victoria. Yeah. Uh, Kazilia was the mother. Uh, Victoria and Kazilia was actually Victoria's daughter the, the as well. So there are two Kazilias. Kazilian uh, Kazilias. Uh, Andreas had money. He wasn't known as a very nice guy. There were actually people who in the town who believed that he... Um, well, it was it was kind of a, a known that he beat his wife. Some people believe that he had an uh, incestuous relationship with his daughter and that the youngest son, Joseph, may have been the product of incestuous relationship. Who was two. Who was two. Um, and that was a rumor amongst the town. However, there was another rumor that we'll bring into play, you know, with one of the theories well, a little and bit that, later. We can, well, and that's the thing is that there was, a, was reportedly a suitor, right, that had come mm-hmm. a-calling um, on Victoria, who, who name, Victoria had sworn up and down was actually the real father of Joseph. His name was Lauren Schlittenbauer, 
And apparently, yeah, there was rumors that he was the actual mm-hmm. father of Joseph. But he had actually since been remarried and now had a, had had another child who had died yes. and was reportedly, Victoria was reportedly on the verge of suing him for alimony payments. Yes. And and we are kind of giving you these facts out of order. Out of order. It's just However, so you kind of but, understand uh, all Victoria the Victoria also... Here. Like, I, I believe the week before any of these murders happened, she drained her bank account. Yeah, emptied her bank account. And she she made a small donation to her church where she was a member of the choir and said it was for missionary work. But then there was a, a large sum of it that kind of went, um, it wasn't, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Accounted for. Uh, accounted for. It uh, was unaccounted. Yeah. So they couldn't account for where this money went. But also, That's, it's, I don't know why, but for some reason, like, I guess it's just my ignorance. When I think of people in the early 1900s, like around the time this happened, I just assumed everybody woke up and worked in the fields and then they just tried not to die. <laughs> I, but I, think, like I think you're so right. There's so much drama in this off. story of like <laughs> alimony and draining right. your bank account. Like this is like a modern day story. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a real tale of yeah. intrigue. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it gets more interesting. So now... You have all this history. You have people that may or may not have a reason to kill these people. However, on the night of the murders, from all accounts, and these are these are all the accounts of the people that were there. And again, I I don't. This is where it it, it like to me. I I wish I could see a police report on this and read and look at the things and go. They I know because we saw the footprints and we saw this. But from all accounts. The four members of the family that were found in the barn, Joseph, Kazilia, the mother. Joseph was not found in the barn. I'm sorry. Andreas. Andreas I am screwing the names up. Andreas, Kazilia, the father. Victoria, Kazilia, the mother, and young Victoria, Kazilia. And young Kazilia were all yes. found in the barn. And uh, allegedly, they were led there one by one and killed with this pickaxe. And then the maid and the smallest boy, Joseph, yes. were killed in their beds in the house. In, and they were in the same room. In Joseph the same and room. the maid were in the so, same room. So you have a killer who somehow gets each member of the family to the barn one at a time without alerting them, without alarming them. The maid and the baby stay asleep through all of these people being guided to the barn one at a time. And the, the bodies are stacked on, to, on, each, on top of each other with a little hay thrown on them. The maid is covered with a sheet, and the baby in his crib is covered with one of his mother's skirts. Now, the way that the people found the bodies is that it had been a few days since they had seen anybody of the Grubers. The Victoria wasn't at church. Uh, young Kazilia wasn't at school. So they came by, they found the bodies. The neighbors said that they didn't think anything was weird because the, there was smoke coming from the chimney. Over the weekend. Over the weekend. The animals had looked like they had been fed, and when, they now this is when the cops the had gotten there, there, right? So they had, had they had established that the animals had been taken care of and been fed. They said that uh, there's fires. They saw fire smoke coming from the chimney, and it appeared that there had been meals prepared and eaten in the house, and a bed had been slept in. Yes. So whoever killed these people then stayed in the house mm-hmm. for days. I just <laughs> hearing that now because last night when we talked about it, you know, it was kind of like well, that's strange. But but hearing it now almost seems like the guy, someone who would do that. Well, I guess you'd have to be a, just a complete nut job, and you're like, "This is my house now." But he left, so I guess not. But the other thing would be like he didn't go over there planning on this to happen, and it just got out of control. And then he's like, 
crap, what the hell did I do? Like, now I got to, like, try to make it look like everything's okay here or something like that. Because, like, I've never, ever heard of a any kind of case where the guy just, like, well, except for one on Dateline that I told you guys about. But, <laughs> but that's so strange now, to he, stay there. Here's the thing. There's two sides to this. Number one, the husband, uh, Victoria's husband. Oh, which we have not mentioned yet. So let us mention that. He went off into World War One. Yes. Uh, some people say it was maybe to escape his wife, maybe to kind of get away from this life of his. Some people play golf to get away from their wives. That he went, went to World War, War One. <laughs> he was reportedly killed. Man, she was awful. <laughs> he was reportedly killed, but his body was never confirmed. Well, it was never found, found and so there was never, never a proper a burial. Yeah, on his either. Death. So there was no body. So they just they just presumed he was dead. To be fair. So there are thoughts that maybe he found his way back. Maybe he lived in the house. Maybe he saw something. Maybe he was like, who's this new kid? Maybe he found out that it was part of, it was the product of an incestuous relationship, got mad and took it out. But he also, but th- there's the thing that, that it, was he living there for six months? And if so, I mean, there, there were stories that Joseph had searched the house, or Andreas had searched the house and had not found anything out of place, even the attic everywhere. The other idea was that Schlittenbauer himself had ca- the, suitor. the suitor had killed them. Um, the reasoning behind that is some people say that, uh, number one, he was he was a member of the uh, original search party, the search party that came and, and, and found the bodies. He showed a remarkably calm demeanor and showed an extensive knowledge of the farm, which he wouldn't have unless he'd spent a lot of time there. They also say that the dog, who had been tied up in the barn... Um, which the police found when they came to the... Um the farm they found a dog that had been tied up in a caring yeah, manner it wasn't, it wasn't it hadn't been and fed he had, had been, been fed it, the whole thing more like like we don't want him to run away or anything right. happened to him and he was being cared for strange but they did say that it barked and bristled showed a up, strong distaste a strong disliking yes right for, for, schlittenbauer. for schlittenbauer not to say that he killed somebody because the dog didn't like him right but again we don't have any kind of information the only thing that we have that we can kind of go off of is a couple facts. That's kind of all that we really have. But something that we can look at is the manner in which the bodies were found. And all of them were covered. Either the bodies that were in the barn were covered with hay or the bodies that were found in the house, the two bodies that were covered with sheets and a skirt. And that to me is, it seems either like the killer knew the people and it's one of those things I don't want to look at what I've done. Yeah. Cause they weren't, I don't think proud of their work because they weren't allowing it to be displayed, so to speak. Um, but that does seem like it's personal. Like there is a, a reason that they would do this. Uh, and I think that either it being Schlittenbauer or the husband and I, his name is slipping my memory right now, but either one of them coming back or finding out that Joseph wasn't theirs, or if Victoria said that Joseph was uh, Schlittenbauer's and he found out that it wasn't his and it really was Andreas or whatever it was, or the husband came back and found out that she was either unfaithful with a suitor or with her father and either way was unhappy that the child wasn't his, uh, I could see killing the family. And that would also explain why they would willingly come to the barn one by one because it would be someone that they knew rather than right. someone that they were afraid of. I, I, Sorry, this is going to be like a crazy theory that I just came up with now. So you know how there was a suitor? There was a guy who liked the the daughter that was supposedly sleeping with the dad or whatever? Yeah. What if the footprints and stuff were him sneaking over to see her? 
and they had a relationship, but the dad was like not down with it, so they had to hide it. And oh. so the dad found out about the relationship, like gets pissed, drags the daughter out to the barn, kills the daughter. That dude freaks out, and like the mom tries to get in the way, and she gets whacked, and then the boyfriend wipes out the dad or something. Well, then I, that doesn't explain the people dying inside. Yeah, why would he go inside and kill his kid? I don't know. Unless, uh, Unless it was just to clean up. Yeah, all the loose ends. There was also rumored that a Russian soldier came forward and claimed to be the Hinterkaifeck murder, but again, would it have been the same Russian soldier that would have been Victoria's ex-husband? Mm, no, no, I think he. I thought he was a German yeah, he was soldier. German. Oh, so, also, oh, okay. And so you, they're just saying it was just a random, just a random Russian soldier who claimed to be the killer. Why? Wow, that seems so weird. An, you also made an interesting no, uh, thing yesterday. You looked up. Yeah, the, um, oh yes, the trench Eric, axe. The yeah. trench axe, which is something that people carried in World War One, which looks exactly like a pickaxe or a yeah. mattock. Which it looks exactly. Uh, so and there was um, one of the, a set of the keys went missing in the house. But before a set of the keys went missing, they, Andreas actually went out to the tool shed and found that the lock on it had scratches on it, like it had been attempted to be picked. Yeah. So, and uh, you know, they if it was. It could have been a Russian soldier who was familiar with carrying that weapon and was looking for something that he knew how to handle. It's very yeah. possible. And I actually and was familiar with the the house that we just talked about and now the acts are both on Instagram. So people can check those out. <laughs> okay. Perfect. <laughs> it's a very it's but, like the most photogenic pickaxe you've ever yeah. seen. But the the at the end of the day, the Hinterkaifeck murders are unsolved. And they will be, because everyone's dead. And there's no records. The farm itself has been just torn down. I mean, it's, it was torn down all yeah. back then. I mean, so it's now there's a sign that shows where it once stood, a, a monument. But for the most part, nothing exists anymore because it, it took place in 1922. And it's just the different, a different time. And, and uh, some, the heads are missing. Yeah, that's another thing. They took the heads off to examine them because they needed to. Uh, I guess that's how everyone was killed by a blow to the head. So they took them off to examine them and then promptly lost them. They lost the heads, so the bodies of the family were it's all buried headless. Yeah. So I'm certain that where they where that farm is is just a haunted mess. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's it's a really sad story. But again, it was a hundred almost a hundred years ago. But that that doesn't always excuse it because sometimes there are there are situations uh, that happen now within the last few years, and they're still just as mysterious. And they're still just as unsolved. Mm -hmm. And I speak, of course, of Mystery the... Mystery does not care about time. It doesn't give a shit about time. I am speaking, of course, about the mysterious disappearance of Elisa Lamb. Elisa Lamb was a, uh, a young gal in her 20s who was a, a Canadian tourist who was staying in L.A. at the world-famous Cecil Hotel. She checked in on January 26th of 2013... 18 days later, they found her body dead. Elisa had originally checked into the hotel into a hostel-style room with roommates, uh, but was moved to a different room after her roommates reported strange behavior. Um, it is known that she was bipolar, that she had uh, emotional issues, mental issues. She was on four or five different medications. And then one day, Elisa... Got in the, ho uh, the hotel elevator. And this is where things get interesting. There is video out there. In fact, if you look up 
the Elisa Lamb video. But we will post it for you. It'll be Don't on Twitter. Worry. It'll be on Instagram. Don't but you, you can worry. do your own search because there's a lot of takes on this video. So if you just go to YouTube and look up Elisa Lamb, E-L-I-S-A-L-A-M, Elisa Lamb, you see the footage of Elisa acting very strange and getting into an open elevator. Um, the shot is being shot from the elevator out into the hall. She gets in, and for some reason, the door doesn't close. And she hits a bunch of buttons. Uh, and then she gets out, and she looks like she's either hiding or playing with somebody. She moves her hands in weird ways. She looks like she's talking to somebody, but there's no audio. She kind of gets in and out of the elevator a few times, and then she just walks off. That's it. You don't see anybody else. You don't. There's no, no hint of what happened after that. And then the next time they find her, she they, is in a water tank. She's in the water tank on the top of the Cecil Hotel. A horrible, the way they, they discovered this. Mm -hmm. The residents of the hotel reported that the water pressure was lower and that it would come out black before clearing up. Or did not taste good. And Ugh. did not taste good. So they went up there mm. and they found Elisa Ugh. in the water tank. Now here's where it gets weird. There's no way that she would have been able to get onto the roof by herself. It would have alarmed... Also, uh, the water she, tank was locked. Right. She would have had to go through a locked door to get to the roof itself, which would have set off an alarm. The water tank was also locked, and there would have been no way, based on the the lid, for her to get in and then shut it, shut and it then behind her and, the then, and then lock herself in. Right. Um, so here's the thing. Nobody's really... Unless you put her up through the faucet. <laughs> Yep. Okay. Problem solved. <laughs> Moving on. It was Eric. you, Eric. <laughs> Eric did it. it. Now, here's the thing. We're not really... People say that they know how Lisa died. She drowned. She went in this tank and she drowned. Okay. Well, nobody knows how she got there. Nobody knows if she put herself there. Nobody knows if somebody else put her there. Nobody knows why she was acting weird. Nobody understands what she was saying, what she was doing, why she was doing any of the stuff she was doing. There are a thousand theories ranging from government conspiracies to the paranormal. Some say she was playing something called the elevator game, which is where you get into an elevator and you hit buttons in a certain number. You go to a fourth floor, then you go to the seventh floor, and then you go to the sixth floor, and then you go to the second floor. It's a floor. lot of rules, and it looks extremely easy to mess up. And then you get out. <laughs> which and is why I'm never going to try it, because there's like demons and like shit involved. Like a ghost so. gets on and then gets <laughs> yeah. you off. On yeah. like a, if you get off on a wrong floor, you'll be stuck in limbo forever. I don't buy that. Some but people also, say, I doubt you're not going to try it, right? Also, I'm not going to try it. Okay. I doubt the Holiday Inn is like a gateway for like the... <laughs> yeah, yeah it's yeah. is a gateway for the... Um, any hotel elevator, right? I When we when I watched the video, though, the one of the things that was weird is like, she looked like she was on drugs. Her hands. Like, yeah, she, yeah, she her was, hands moved like the way people who are possessed in movies move their hands, like twitchy and her fingers were all weird. And like, she was like hitting like every button in the elevator. Right. And, but the toxicology report said that she, there's nothing in her system. She well, wasn't but on also, anything. I mean, she had been in the water tank for three weeks at that point. Yeah. And, and, so, I mean, and, and her body say, in water. I don't know. I'm not a. I'm not a forensic uh, psychologist, or a, a, excuse me, a, I don't know, investigator. Forensic, yeah, but, or anything, but yeah. I I do think that a body in water is going to be less likely to provide factual evidence. Sure. Than and, a body that was not exposed to water. Well, plus, I mean, you're they're checking her body for 
barbiturates and hallucinogens. They're not checking her to make sure that, hey, maybe she was taking four different medications for being bipolar. Maybe right. that caught up with her. Right. Um, I mean, medications are a mess. And every one of them's got nine side effects. And if you're combining four of them, it doesn't take long to have a psychotic break. Yeah. Or well, if you only took three and then, like, not taking one, the fourth one. It's like, right. But right. none of that explains. And she was in, in a hostile type room with two other, you know, yeah. roommates, so to speak, until she was transferred to another room because they were complaining that she was acting yeah, kind yeah. of erratic. And they, they said, I think the quote was weird, weird behavior. behavior. Yeah. So we mentioned that. Now, there is something interesting about this case. If you want to go the conspiracy route, one can be you had just mentioned the paranormal. And a lot of people say that when they're looking at this video, they can pinpoint the, the numbers on the elevator that she is actually pressing at that time. And there they can say that they know the numbers confidently are in this order and they coincide with this elevator game. However, she was also involved with the company. And she was involved with, I don't know what, which company it was. Right. And so yeah. I don't want to, I say company as, as the loose term, but she was involved with the, the program that was developing an invisibility cloak. Yeah. Correct? She worked with something. She was, she was, she was associated with a company that was developing invisibility. Uh, yeah. Yes. High tech, you know, high technology, really important stuff here. So if you want to look at it from a conspiracy theorist, aspect you could say that she was in the, fact taken out right. in a very convenient manner that made it look like she was a confused person who had a tragic death but and, and there it are, could have been actually a lot more um to it than that and and there was supposedly a uh, a company called invisible light that was based in the cecil that possibly had something to do with uh, mm-hmm. that that would, might have been like a shadow company and I'm not sure what there reason was, they would have for taking her out. However, no, I don't. I don't know. I mean, she didn't seem like like. However, we're just offering up this, one of the this theories. This is one of the theories. There. Other theories range from the paranormal. She was possessed. This uh, the Cecil Hotel was one of the last known uh, locations, residences of the famous serial killer Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. Some people say she was murdered by a hotel employee because uh, she wouldn't have known how to access the water tower or unlock the doors without setting off the alarm. Um, some people, uh, you know, that, that's the thing is when you look at all these theories, maybe she just had a psychotic break and somehow figured out how to get herself into that water tank and that's it. Well, the thing, what the weird thing is, is like, okay, so this is a, a hotel in, in LA, which is, you know, not known as the most peaceful place in the country. How did only one video camera pick her up and how did no video cameras pick up the door that leads to the roof like I you would that's think, a great question like you would like if i'm a cop the first thing i'm doing is like all right let's get all the, the security camera and then i realize okay who has access to the roof employees who has access to the water tank probably one or two employees fewer, fewer employees and yeah. the the guys who maintain the water tank right so if it's not any of those guys then how did she get in the tank if it's I, locked and stuff well i think i think the cops ended up ruling in an accidental drowning and didn't suspect foul play, which, so they, there wouldn't be anybody that they were actually searching for. You know, they weren't looking for anybody. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm suspicious. I trust no one. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. a suspect yeah. if I was a go, cop. Go you ever watch that show Catfish? <laughs> <laughs> go look up. That really opened my eyes to the internet. <laughs> Nobody is who they say they are unless I'm looking at them in person. And even then. I'm uh, a 38-year-old woman <laughs> right now under this skin. I'm faking you out. That makes more sense. <laughs> Anyway, 
Uh, I'm still staring at Eric. <laughs> the so I, I mean again, this is a case from three years ago. This is a case that is fairly new with video evidence, with, with crime scene pathology expertise, and yet no one can go. Okay, well, she drowned, and we obviously know she's but she died in the water tank. And we uh, obviously know unless that she, they don't want someone to figure out. Unless how they don't want somebody drowned. to figure out. But then, th- then you go, okay, then everything's this grand conspiracy. And so it's hard to say. Uh, but that's one that you can actually study. You can go to the Cecil if you're in L.A. We'll shoot you out this uh, video of her in the elevator. You can look at it. Also, sure. look into the elevator game. See what you think. Um, if you play the elevator game or if you've ever played it, just for my own curiosity, I want to hear about that because I, I will... It. I will never try that in case it does work. I'm, it's kind of like that Fine, Bloody Eric. Mary thing you that do you do it. in your bathroom. I I'll tried I tried Bloody Mary in my bathroom because... Fine, Eric's going to do it. Look up the elevator game. You play it before we do the next podcast. Okay, I got to find well, you gotta, elevator. You gotta, but like, you have to actually have an elevator that has... Um, there's floors. there's rules. Floors. It has to have at least a certain amount of floors. And yeah, so look it up. Look up the rules. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. again, look up this Elisa Lam. Look at yeah, the footage. Yeah, check it out and um, kind of decide for yourself what you think. It's it's so fascinating and so undecided. There's a bunch of these. What's next? Uh, the next one that I had on the list was the the Valentich, the Frederick Valentich disappearance. Uh, Frederick Valentich was a young cat who uh, was a pilot. This is right up your alley. I, I read about this Ripple guy. Ripple tits. This is right. <laughs> Jack the Ripley. Jack the Rippler. Um, <laughs> oh, Jack the Rippler. He'll get ya. Uh, that was my... Uh, is that your Hannibal? Yeah. Your Hannibal Chianti? It's, it's good. It's, 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 um, I thought that was your Slytherin talk. Yeah, I didn't know what you were doing. Your, your parcel um, tongue. <laughs> parcel tongue. Uh, Frederick Valentich was a uh, young Australian who set out to fly his plane one day. He had told different people different stories about where he was going and what he was doing. Um, He had told his dad that he was going to be back at a certain time. He told his fiance he was going to be back at another time. He had told somebody he was hauling shrimp. He had told somebody else he was doing this. Uh... You know, he he said, told some people he was going to be picking up passengers. He told some people he was going to be picking up crawfish. Um, there's a lot of different stories. And then he went out and he flew out over the ocean and called in to air traffic, air control. traffic control and uh, said this. in traffic below 5,000 feet. No, no, in traffic. Seems to be a large aircraft below 5,000 feet. What type of aircraft is it? I cannot confirm. It's four bright, seems to me like landing lights. The aircraft has just passed over me at at least a thousand feet above. Is there any Air Force aircraft in the vicinity? No known aircraft in the vicinity. Seems to be playing some sort of game. He's flying over me. Delta Sierra Juliet, it's not an aircraft. It's... Can you describe the, uh, the aircraft? As it's flying past, it's a long shape. I cannot identify it. It has such speed. It's before me right now, Melbourne. How large would the um, the object be? Seems like it's stationary. What it's doing right now is orbiting. The thing is just orbiting on top of me. It's also got a green light and a sort of metallic-like... It's shiny on the outside. It's just vanished. That strange aircraft's hovering on top of me again. 
It's hovering and it's not an aircraft. And that was the last thing anyone ever heard of Frederick Valentich. They never found the plane. They never found him. There are a thousand theories. Now, clearly, this sounds like a man who is seeing a UFO and maybe a UFO sucked his, him and his plane up into the thing and took off. That seems like the most... When you listen to this, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like... It some, almost seems like that, that's what we would want to believe because otherwise... Right. Otherwise, here's the other theories. There are theories, and I want to talk to you about this, Eric, because I think okay. it's fascinating. Um, some I have of these, my theory now. Some of these theories have, have everything to do with, uh, with, with aviation themselves. There's some people who believe that he had actually become inverted, and what he was seeing was the ocean. Some people believe that he was in a what's called the death spiral. Yeah. Going down, and that's what he was seeing his own lights coming around. Um, to me, though, he seems really fucking calm. Yeah. For a dude who's in a death spiral or is upside down in an airplane and shit's flying all over and he wouldn't understand. It yeah. seems like your body senses that momentum or that uh, being in that state. Sure, you'd know you're upside down. Right. Uh, but here's the other thing, right? Is that if you're... Now, some people believe he just went out there to kill himself. Some people believe that he went out there to disappear. But either one of those options, and we discussed this when we were talking about this, why the fuck would you bring up... A UFO. Yeah. Why would you say at any point, like, there's a UFO following me? You just fly out into the middle of the ocean and crash yourself. Or you would just disappear. Yeah. You wouldn't say, hey, there's a UFO following me. Yeah. Because why? What you said. Well, because, first of all, if the air traffic controller was talking to him, his transponder was on, meaning the air traffic controller knew exactly where he was and which direction he was headed. So if he was drawing attention to himself, there wherever he landed or whatever he was doing, he was going to have to talk to somebody. Like, if he would have come back, he would have had to talk to somebody, a field officer or something, about what he saw, and he would have to make a report and all that stuff, if Australia is anything like it is here. So if he went out there to disappear or to kill himself, he did it, like, the worst possible way because he drew all this attention to himself first. But like I said, I, I read some stuff, and I have my own theory of what I think happened. Okay. Um. So I read... Uh, I read that he actually, this guy was was known among the people that, you know, he would rub elbows with or whatever, that he was, like, into UFOs. Like, he, he believed in them, he would search for them, he would hunt for them. It was not a regular, it was a regular occurring thing for him to be like, oh, the other day I saw something, and he was, this, they interviewed his dad, and I, I read it, and his dad basically was like, he was the kind of guy who thought everything he saw was a UFO. Oh, he was like one of those guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he was one of those guys. And so the report that I read was that night that the uh some of the planets were actually visible. Um Venus and I can't remember what the other ones were. Um Mercury whatever. There was four planets they were visible and you could see them. And so my theory is <clears throat> this is what I think happened. He went out there he saw this stuff glowing, even if it was, it could be anything. He saw it because of his his mindset of everything to him as a UFO, he started to chase it. And I think he was flying at night, and he was only a private pilot. He could only fly at night um, in uh, VFR conditions, meaning no clouds, no nothing. And he was also not a very good pilot because he was trying to get into the Australian Air Force, and he failed all five tests twice. So he wasn't a good pilot either. 
So I think what happened was he went out there looking for UFOs because a lot of people theorized that's why he had so many different stories because he didn't want to tell people he was going out to look for UFOs. And I think what happened is he got out there. I was going to ask you that. Why would he tell so many different stories yeah. about where he was going? People think it's because he didn't want to be like, oh, I'm going to go look for UFOs on my plane. Oh, okay. So he would come up with these different things that he was doing and tell people because he wanted to go out and look for UFOs. I think he, he got out there. He saw something. He's like, holy crap, that's a UFO. It was so dark because I've flown before where it's so dark that you can't see anything. You can't see the ground. You can't see where the sky and the ground meet. It's like flying through space. It's that dark. And he was not a good pilot. That's why he kept failing all the tests. And the Australian Air Force was like, we don't want you. You suck. Um, and I think he he got excited. He saw something. He tried to chase it. Um and he put himself in just enough of a bank and his you can hear on the video the whole time he's like oh it's doing this now it's doing this now i think he wasn't paying attention to his altitude and he just took himself right into the ground cuz that's happened to airline pilots before there's a story about these airline pilots who they had a light go out on their gear cuz every every airplane that has retractable gear has lights so you know when they're locked and one of the lights wasn't on, so they didn't know if the gear was locked or not. And they were so focused on that that the airplane went right into the swamp in Florida. <sighs> and so I think this guy, this is just from a, this is not a, uh, this is just from a, what I think happened as a pilot. I think he saw something out there and he was so distracted by what it was that he, because I mean, you can see he's like, oh, now it's over me. So I think it, it was just staying still because he's like, now it's stationary. I don't think it was moving at all. I think he was losing control and he was so focused on what he was looking at that he just took it right into the ground Ugh. i actually think that's what happened because he just from the report he's like now it's over me now now it's over to the right i think because if he's he wasn't instrument rated so if he doesn't know how to read the instruments and he got disoriented because he's looking out the window because okay now i'm going off on tangents sorry guys but when you do training, they do this to actually show you how scary this is. Your instructor will have you close your eyes, and then he'll ha he'll turn the airplane, and then he'll tell you he'll be like, "All right, what are we doing?" And you'll be like, "Oh, we're climbing to the right." And he'll be like, "Look," and you open your eyes, and you're flying straight and level. You're not moving at all because the liquid in your ears gets thrown off, and your body tells you you're doing something, but you're really not. And that's why you have to get instrument training because you have to teach your body to ignore your body and trust the airplane. Mm. And if you can't do that, you'll crash. And so I think this dude was just out in a pitch black sky. He saw something. He's like, holy crap, a UFO. I'm, I'm going to go check this out. And he got disoriented and he just put himself in the ground. That's what I think happened. Hmm. Interesting. That's fascinating. And, you know, I can't, well, I can't attest to the fact, you know, being, uh, you know, people who know me and Danny, they know that we live backwards. Like we're nocturnal. So we sleep during the day and we're up at night. And a lot of people aren't up at two, three, four o'clock yeah. in the morning when we are. And Venus, Jupiter, Saturn, when those planets are are big and visible, they look like they're fucking the mothership is coming yeah. for you. And to be they're honest, the first time shit. the first time we ever saw Venus, um, it was actually before we lived the way that we did, and we were going to like a midnight movie of something. Mm -hmm. And so we stayed up late to go to a midnight showing of a movie premiere. And we were coming home and it was around, you know, March. February, around that time, spring, when Venus is super visible in the sky. And the first time we saw it, it was up in the sky. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's a UFO right there. Like, I was so certain that that was what I was mm -hmm. seeing. And and now, like, when we see it sometimes, when we're out at that time, if if you have never seen it or you're not used to being up at that time of day, if, like, you got up because you had to go to the bathroom or something, you peeked outside, if you saw that, you might think that. It's yeah. huge. Yeah. And they're, 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 they twinkle. 
It doesn't yeah. look good. To, it, you, you, yeah. you could. So, I mean, I could see that. That's an interesting theory. Um, and unfortunately, we may never know what happened to Frederick Valentich. Although, uh, I mean, we have been outside, and I will say that I, I have seen things that are, well, unidentified. Unidentified. And you know what? We'll save that for our Yeah, another time. Yeah. But, but yeah, I just wanted to throw but that out there. there are some things out there. So Frederick is one of those ones that had kind of a, a different spin on it. Um, you know, maybe, maybe UFOs were involved. Some other ones are much more down to earth. There's some that are actually just really, really weird and sad. Because you have to think these poor families never got answers. One of them is the uh, the weird, strange tale of Lars Matank. Matank or Matank? I apologize. I'm going to say, how would you say it? Matank, Matank. Lars Matank. Matank. Maybe. Lars L A R S Matank M I T A N K was a 28 year old German man who was on vacation in Bulgaria in 2014. Uh, just hanging out. Nice kid. Got in a fight. One of the nights At he the was beach. there. At the beach with some people. Son of a beach. They called it, they called it over football. I assume they meant soccer though, because it's like German, right? Yeah. Okay. Probably. And, yeah. and, and so he, rumor was that he had gotten punched. Uh, reportedly he had gotten punched in the ear, which caused him to have a ruptured eardrum. He went to the doctor and they told him. So he attended a doctor. They told him, you, we believe you ruptured your eardrum, and they gave him an antibiotic. A medicine, yeah. Yes, I think they called it an antibiotic. Now, apparently, and I don't remember if it was before they went to the doctor or if it was after. He, got in a, he told his friends. His friends had gone to a McDonald's, and they had gone in. He, yes, and they, he they went, him and his friends went to McDonald's, and he stayed outside. Yeah. I think this was just after the fight. So it may have been before the doctor. Mm -hmm. But he had told his friends that he had gotten into a second fight. Mm -hmm. I don't know how confirmed that was. Some people believe that that as soon as he got in the fight, something happened to him. That something happened to his head. Like a concussion almost? A concussion, he had swelling, something happened. So when he went to the doctor, his friends were getting ready to leave. Bulgaria. And the doctor told him, you shouldn't fly because of his ear. Yeah. Pressure. Shouldn't go. So he called his mother and his mother got him like a, a hotel room for the night. Mm-hmm. But he, And his friends left. So they left. left. So he had called his mother and told her that he believed that there were some Russians that were following him. He didn't feel safe. He had started to kind of act weird. He told her to cancel his credit card. Cancel the credit cards. They were trying to get him. And then, was it the next day that he went to the airport? Mm-hmm. The next day he goes to the airport. And again, there's footage of this. You can look up the Lars Matank footage. It but doesn't again, show much. We will post it for you. We'll post it. It doesn't show much. But what it does show is Lars walking into the airport on a security camera. You see him kind of shuffling in. Carrying he a bag. Carries a bag. Yellow he w- shirt. walks into a room. Like a, I believe it's the doctor's room. The doctor's office there at the thing. At the airport. And moments later... You see, I don't him. know that it was moments or if they said it was 40 minutes. Yeah, I guess I guess I ha- I don't know. I don't know that yeah, I've seen it, all it this stuff. Yeah, it might have been about 40 minutes later, so he may have actually had he a conversation with the doctor. I don't, you know Not, what, that's we'll a good... We'll check into the time. I don't know how long after he walked into the doctor's office, you're right, that he... But whatever it was on the footage, you see him mm-hmm. sprinting out of the doctor's office. No bag in his hand this no time. No bag. He leaves his like, bag. Wearing flip-flops, mm-hmm. sprinting 
out of the airport, straight down the lane, off out of the airport, and and so climbs the climbs the fence into the forest. Yeah, was never seen again. That was it. Never found a body. There was a rumor that somebody had said that they picked up a hitchhiker years later that fit Lars's description. But if so, what the fuck happened to this kid? I don't know. Did he have a psychotic break? Did he have something happen to him? Was there a head injury from the punch that he sustained that, that threw his brain off? Now, a lot of people, when you get hit, that's the thing about a punch. You can get punched one place and you're fine. Ow, that hurt my face. You get punched half an inch back. It, it fucks your brain up. It knocks you out. It well, does whatever. And if buttons. He, I mean, he was playing soccer. I refuse to call it football. Um, <laughs> he was, so he was playing soccer. And if soccer is something that, you know, maybe he played up through high school and stuff, like uh, head injuries in soccer aren't, are kind of, I don't want to say commonplace, but like, you know, people are trying to head the ball and somebody else mm -hmm. is trying to kick the ball and concussions happen in soccer. Mm -hmm. So if... You know, if he had a, a had a few concussions before this, this could have been like that last one that just like you know, like yeah. football players that happens. I mean, they they commit suicide sometimes yeah. because of this thing from the concussions. So the, it might not have been just this one. It mm -hmm. might have been like the you know the straw that broke the camel's back, where this was the last one he could have taken yeah. and he got it. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You never know. He could have. Um... He could have honestly been involved with, and and I say this um, loosely, but he could have got caught up or wrapped up with, um, I don't know if the guys that he got in a fight with at the beach were Bulgarian from Bulgaria or if they were Russian and he got in a fight with Russians. I don't remember what mm -mm. they said, but whoever they were, maybe he got in a fight with some some people who... I don't know, wanted a little bit more to do about it than just say that their team was better. Maybe they were willing to take it a little bit further and maybe they followed him to the McDonald's and then, you know, maybe he started picking up uh, on the fact that these were recognizable faces that he was like, hey, mom, um, there's people I'm being followed me. and I'm certain because there's yeah. a couple instances of this and maybe they, I don't know, maybe they followed him to the airport who, I don't know, maybe like he just Like the doctor felt was like one of the dudes or something in like on that? On it, yeah, or paid to be in on it. I don't know, something like that, but uh, I don't know. It's hard to say, you know, but but again, here's, a, here's another case, just like Elisa Lamb that's taken place in the last few years. There is a this record is 2014, of it. correct, Lars? Yeah, 2014. Yeah, so very recent. Two years ago, and and... You know, if he and if he was running out of the airport, like if he was with uh, a doctor, and he just got up and ran out, there, yeah. how come nobody at the airport or the doctor who was with him or anybody that was in the room wasn't alarmed that this guy just got up and ran? They were like, yeah. "Hey, we've got a, you know, somebody that was not from this country." Yeah, I'm pretty sure doctors take an oath to right. to do all they can to help people. Right? Like Why that. would they not go? Oh, this guy needs some serious help. Yeah. We can't let him get away. Stop him. You know. I don't understand. I mean, it he's running through the airport. It's not like he casually walked out. He's running through the airport. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, it's in post in a post nine eleven world where airports and bombs and safety like somebody just sprinting through an airport causes a scene. Yeah, it, yeah. it does. I, yeah, I don't I under, I, about I would want to know what he was doing. Yeah, leaving his bags behind, mm -hmm. just running out. Mm -hmm. So there he goes. And off, and off Lars goes, and still to this day, Lars's family wants to know what's going on with it. You know, that's the worst thing about this. Elisa Lamb's parents don't know what happened to their daughter other than the fact that she died. Lars Matank's parents don't know other than the fact that he thought he was being followed and got hit in the head, and the next day he ran out of an airport and disappears forever. 
And I think that's the hardest part is that sometimes there's a body and sometimes there's nothing. Another two cases that, that reflect this exact same thing also from not too long ago. One from January 2013, the Kendrick Johnson case. This is a case that's still ongoing. This is a case that's still going on. Kendrick Johnson was a high school student that went to a high school in South Georgia. There's footage of him walking through his high school, entering the gym, and then the next day he was found rolled up in a gym mat. The police said that he had asphyxiated and died because he was reaching in to get his shoe, had slipped, fallen, spent the night upside down and asphyxiated himself and died, which is a possibility. You can die. You told us the story of a hiker here in Utah that had gotten trapped in a cave upside down and they couldn't do anything about it. He had died because it puts pressure on the heart. It gets blood to the brain. Warning, this is sad. It's very sad. Yeah. I think it's crazy that we live in a world where high schools have to have security cameras. Well, well I, mean, I think it's even sadder that we live in a world where high schools have security cameras and they're shit. Yeah, yeah. because here's the thing. Is Those this thing security, they might as well have not had them at all. They prove nothing. They show him one shot coming in and that's it. And then that's it. And then it cuts and there's it looks like it just cuts to another scene where there's other people. Yeah. Um, the official police report says that somebody put Kendrick's shoe at the bottom of this thing and just he reached in to get it. But well, we talked about the fact... <sighs> That also, it doesn't look like it is his shoe. And again, I need somebody. I need somebody who is working on the case who um, can t- tell me with the facts on the paper. This was Kendrick Johnson's shoe because in the 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 picture that you see of him, you just kind of see his feet in socks, and there is a pair of shoes in the wrestling mat with him that are a matching set. A white pair of sneakers that are a matching set on top of him. Which, if he was reaching down to get them, how yeah, they get like back someone on stuffed them in yeah. exactly. But the shoe that was uh, he was supposedly reaching for that they show in pictures, and again, I don't know if it's just the one that they display, is a black shoe. Yeah, it's an entirely different shoe. So if that's true, somebody else is walking around without their shoes. Yeah, right, and, and would have had to have been aware of that. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing about any of this is that when you when you look at this, there's no. I, I also. I'm I'm of the I'm of the mind and and I mean I know not everybody just thinks obviously but it's not like these mats the way that they were done were attached to the floor and they weren't super 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 heavy I would assume that if somebody threw my shoe down a gym mat I would just tip the gym mat over yeah and pick my shoe off the floor well, and the the mats they're talking about are like those those thick blue ones that the cheerleaders use to practice mm-hmm. their tumbling on. Yes. Yeah. So the cheerleading teams are moving these mats around. So yeah, yeah they're not that heavy. You just tip it over. We're right. not hating on the cheerleaders. I, I can't yeah. imagine that anybody. Now we did think to ourselves, Danny, you had an interesting idea that like he maybe he had leapt in to get it, thought that it would have been more tight and slipped to the bottom, hitting his head, <laughs> mm-hmm. which would have accounted for the fact that... Now, here's the, here's the thing, okay? Well, here's where it gets interesting. It, before, before we go say, on... bring up the parents. Let's bring this up. The, the, the police in the school had said that he had suffocated and died reaching for a shoe. It didn't seem, it didn't seem like that because it, it's the parents, the parents didn't buy it. So they had his body exhumed mm-hmm. and had a separate independent pathologist perform an autopsy. 
he concluded that Kendrick had suffered from head trauma. Yeah, they either said blunt force trauma to the head or neck. I'm not positive what they specify, but just above the shoulder, he was, you know, had incurred blunt force trauma. Right. Now, here's the interesting thing. Now, this might not have anything at all to do with the case itself. It could just be shitty funeral home practices. But it, when they dug his body up, every organ from his pelvis to his top of his skull, his brain on down, had been removed from his body and his body had been filled with newspaper. Mm-hmm. So all his organs, brain, lungs, mm-hmm. heart, everything, spleen, pancreas, all of it, gone. I think that's so weird that like we have like funeral services and like everyone's like, oh, I'm so special. But at the end of the day, you're just going to get stuffed with some formaldehyde or newspaper. Yeah. You're like a birdcage inside your body. Yeah. And just just thrown in. Yeah, throw in the dirt. So yeah, now, we're all only now, about three days away from looking like a corpse. Right. Yeah. And and now the thing is, is that nobody nobody is saying necessarily that the organ thing had anything necessarily to do. Yeah. No, they're not but, saying it's necessarily a conspiracy. It's not illegal in that state. They their their defense is that it's not illegal it's just to like stuff a body with newspapers. Almost more inconvenient. But gosh, it's really it's disrespectful. To, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and now they have no organs to go back and to go back and, 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 and check and, study. and say anything. Yes. Right. We can't look at the brain and see what it was. Yeah. Um now there are there are some suspects in this case. Uh the now, here, again, when it comes to cases like this, you go, well, this is either a conspiracy theory or it's shitty police work, right? So you look at this case and you go, most of the police interviews, most of the students, most of the janitors, paramedics, and things like that, they interviewed hundreds. About 30 of them were done in January when the crime took place. Most of them, in fact, 60 or some more percent of the actual interviews that had to do with this case were not conducted until April, meaning that all of the students and the janitors that cleaned the, the, you know, the gym, the students who were in the gym had almost three months of the same bullshit day in and day out to blend together before they were asked about a very specific day in a place that they've spent every other day since then in. But you can't have you can't have reliable witness testimony after three months, especially not like you said when you're doing the same thing every day. Every single day you're going to that gym. You don't know which kids were there. How? The, uh, sorry, ahead. we might well we might get into this here in a second. But the thing that I find so strange is how did nobody at the school see him in there until like the like how did nobody see him? How when is a when is a when is a high school during operating hours ever fucking empty? Yeah, even after hours, there's people going around doing things. There's practice, there's coaches, there's, janitors. Like, it's, I mean, it may, it would make more sense to me if something happened and they brought him back and put him in there. Because who, how would they not know? I mean, obviously, I guess if there's a body hiding in something like that, you know, you're not going to see. But still, like. I don't understand it. Well, how, I, don't I don't understand, understand how, how nobody no didn't, under, didn't see that Kendrick went up to retrieve a shoe and didn't come back. Yeah. Somebody had to have at least been paying attention because whoever threw the shoe would have had to have known what he was doing. They would have had to have known that he was going to go retrieve it. Somebody had to have been interacting with him at right. the time that would notice his absence. It's, it strikes me as such anyhow. I agree with you 100% on that. But I don't know. And I don't understand. Now, there are two 
two suspects. There were two kids, Brian and Brandon Johnson, uh, both athletes, who had allegedly bullied Kendrick. Uh, The theory that was put forward in a civil case presented by his parents was that they had beat him up because of a previous altercation with Brian. Um, Brian and Brandon and their families were both named in a civil suit that was, uh, I think it was dismissed or it was settled. I mean, there was something like it, 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 nothing happened with it. However, Brian and Brandon's father is an FBI agent whose house was raided by marshals a few months later in, in connection with witness tampering and some other stuff, obstruction of justice. But in an unrelated case. In an case. unrelated not case. Related not to this, related to Not this related one. to the Kendrick Johnson so case. it's just a shady family. Yes. It seems shady. <laughs> but now, but, the, but both of their, their, what's their last name, Bell? Johnson. Johnson? Yeah. Brian and Brandon, jo- Brian and Brandon Johnson is what I have here. Okay, sounds good. Um. But their dad was an FBI agent. Yes. Or were involved in the FBI. So now, I, one of again, the kids- I don't want to accuse anyone of anything like that. But if for some reason they did bully him, and even if it was an accident, they didn't mean to kill him. Uh, a dad definitely who's involved in the FBI doesn't want his sons going to jail for murder. And he would certainly have the know-how and the means to um, cover it up. Yeah, cover up the evidence. Well, and one Especially of the kids he, lost if, a scholarship, right? Yeah, uh, Brandon, a football scholarship. Yeah, actually lost a football scholarship because of the fact that he was named in this case. So that's motive. Mm-hmm. Well, that's afterwards. Uh, he lost the scholarship because he was oh, named in the okay, civil sorry, case. I was confused. I thought he lost the scholarship first, and then this mm-hmm. kid ended no, up dead. Okay, no, okay. No, he, he lost the scholarship okay. afterwards in the civil case. And again, this is another case that, that, as far as the authorities are concerned, much like Elisa Lamb, it's an accidental death. That's what it's been ruled. So right now, there aren't really suspects. There was a civil case, but nobody's being charged with the murder of Kendrick Johnson. So... It's sad. I mean, go, go, look, look. The reason why we're bringing these things to you is because these, these events happen. And a lot of times, news agencies, they don't bring this stuff up. And for some of these families, uh, you know, it's hard enough losing a child. What's worse is going, what did my child go through to get like this? Did, was he killed? Did, yeah. did he just die? Was it an unfortunate, stupid thing? Yeah. Or did, was my son beaten to death and stuffed into a gym mat? And they don't know. So look into this case. There's a documentary that's coming up. I saw a preview for it um, on when I was looking at Kendrick Johnson. So it looks like somebody's examining this case, and there's going to be maybe some more on there. So look into the Kendrick Johnson yeah. stuff. Look I, into, I wish I just knew a little bit more about, like, where was he going when he was going into the gym? Right, was he going to right. another class? Was he going to gym class? Was, was that he, literally the last time he was seen alive? Right. I mean, how, how, can that, how can anybody say that was the last time they saw him alive? Because yeah. there and in the video, there are other kids walking through the gym with him. There had to have been people that saw what happened. Somebody had to. Somebody had to. Yeah, and somebody so, knows something, and so, we just want to know more. Look into this case. You know, there's still his family's still out there mourning, and 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 it's hard. I mean, they have a body. A body that was stuffed with newspaper, and but they have a body. They can they buried their son. That's too bad. There are other people who don't even have that uh, luxury, and it's not a luxury. I shouldn't use that word. It's not a luxury. It's not a luxury to bury your child. Uh, they have that closure. moment closure. of closure. I guess. I yeah. guess closure is a is a, is is the it's really is the, the only word. word. This is a sad podcast. But this is this is the one that we'll we'll uh, <laughs> we'll is. talk about this one. This is the final one we'll talk about today. 
And uh, this is one that uh, is still ongoing. And the family doesn't know what's happened. The family doesn't have any idea where their loved one is. And that is the mysterious disappearance of Brandon Lawson. Brandon Lawson uh, was a young, young man, early 20s, lived in San Angelo, Texas. I've been to San Angelo, Texas. I've done the college there. It's in the middle of nowhere. It looks like a damn Louis L'Amour novel. Like there's just like it's a town and then there's just I feel like that's most of Texas. There's nothing. And that's the thing is when you go to Texas, <laughs> Sorry, that's right. Texas. I've driven through I've driven through Texas and like that drive from El Paso to San Antonio to like the middle oh, of the state yeah. is nothing. It's yeah. like 25 miles and you won't see a person. That's why the Texas Chainsaw Massacre works because there is every yeah. like a house in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of damn cars in it and yeah. and, and and then 20 miles goes by and nothing. But everybody has like an NFL quality football field. That's the other weird thing about Texas. <laughs> you know what? It's it's football fields and murder sprees, bud. Um, now Brandon lived in San Angelo, and um, the story goes as such: he got into an argument with his. Now, in the report that we saw, and I I could have watched more. I, I, we watched about four or five of these videos, but this was the only one that had kind of given the the pre story. Said that he had gotten in a fight. And the quote was with his longtime partner. Now, I don't know if that means like his girlfriend or his wife or whatever or his business partner, but he had gotten to some sort of altercation, like a, like an argument, went to drive and just clear his head. Drives on a long stretch of Texas road. Looks like many others, just nothingness on the sides. And ended up making a 911 call. A 911 call that lends no help to what happened. This is the 911 call that Brandon Lawson made. Um, 2013, 0, 50, and 38 seconds. 911 emergency. Yes, I'm in the middle of the field. The state we're just pushing guys over. Right here going towards Javelin on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. You got to the woods. Please hurry. Okay, now run that by me. No, we're not talking to him. Hi, so you ran into him. Ah, you ran into him. Okay. Got the first guy. Do you need an ambulance? No, I need the cops. Okay. Is anybody hurt? Hello? Hello? That's when uh, the first time I <clears throat> sorry I went through puberty. Um, the first time I listened to that, yeah, um, I didn't realize that at, she asks. I didn't. I mean, I heard it, but it didn't like click that she asks like, "Do you need an ambulance?" And he's like, "No, I need the cops." Yeah. So I'm thinking that maybe whatever happened to him hadn't ha quite happened yet. He yeah. was just in the situation where he's like, "No, I need I need cops right now." It now from it sounds like he says, and Danny and me have listened to this. Two dozen times. times. I don't even know how many yeah. times. It sounds like he says a, a sniper. I hear I'm out in the middle of a field. A sniper. A sniper. A sniper. Something out here on both sides. Uh, I'm driving up here. Ran out of gas up here. Going to Abilene. Both sides of the road. Chased for chased the guy into the woods. The one car got chased into the got woods. Got chased into the woods. We're up here. Uh, I'm not talking to him. I ran into him. I need. I, 
I need the cops. Like it doesn't, none of it makes sense. Even when you like listen to it and even if you can decipher it, it doesn't make sense. Here is a version of it slowed down. This is a slightly slowed down version. Try to, try to make out what you think Brandon is saying. I'm in the middle of the field of There's one car here got chased into the woods. Is he saying he got chased no, into the woods? It sounded like he said uh, a trooper pulled them over, like a state trooper. I thought I heard a trooper pulled them over. At one point, I thought that's what he said. Let's go. He said, I was out here and a trooper pulled these guys over. See, and that's where we hear sniper. Let's listen to that again. Yeah. 2013. I'm in the middle of a field. A I hear sniper, a sniper just perched some guys over. A sniper just perched some guys over. That's what I hear. Oh, see, I heard a, a listen, trooper. That's what I hear. Listen, let's guys listen. Over. One, let's listen one more time. I totally ran into him. Was his car found alone? No, yes. I'll finish his truck. Okay. Story. And then nothing. Now, here's the interesting part of the story. About an hour later, somebody called the cops and said there's a truck on the side of the road with the doors open and it's abandoned. The cops show up, they find that it's Brandon's truck. His brother is alerted and his brother goes to the scene where the truck is, where the cops are. And while he's there, he gets a call on his cell phone from Brandon that says that he's in a field bleeding. His brother, not knowing about the 911 call that Brandon had made, doesn't tell the cops because he thinks his brother is out hiding in the field because he doesn't want the cops to come because he has priors, he has warrants. Oh, that's so better he, than having your brother die, though. He yeah. doesn't bring it yeah. up. He thinks he's going to call him back when the cops are gone and go get him. Never answers. The phone stays on. There is actually a ping from the phone later that night, four miles away from where the car was. But nobody's ever found Brandon. Nobody's ever found his body. Nobody's ever found any evidence of foul play. Now, we have our own theories about what happened to Brandon. Babe, why don't you why don't you explain? We've talked about this a few times. Why don't you kind of explain what the kind of the, the theory that we came up with? The theory that we are going to kind of stick to 
just based on what we have is that there's a chance being since where he was, where he was kind of out in the middle of nowhere that he stumbled upon something that he was not supposed to see. And we don't necessarily mean anything as nefarious as a murder, but you know, maybe a drug cartel or something like that. And that kind of makes sense to me with him saying, I'm out in the middle of a field. And if you listen to his, his, this phone call that he makes this 911 call, it's kind of disoriented. It's all over the place. He's saying just a lot of thoughts, like trying to get out as much information as he possibly can without worrying about it being uh, super coherent or well-spoken even. That sounds like kind of a person who is scrapping or has had either something happen to him. So it, maybe he was on the run when he was making this phone call. I think that either he was out there and he came across something that he wasn't supposed to see. And like he said, there's some snipers out here because if, I mean, I'm just saying if I was a drug cartel, I would make sure I had like some dudes on some four wheelers up on the hills with some snipers to make sure that nobody entered my scene and nobody was going to leave my scene that I didn't want to. I would make sure I was in control of that. So it doesn't seem too far-fetched to believe that there were some snipers out there and that Brandon stumbled upon something he was not supposed to see. He's telling him there's some snipers out here. There was another car out here that just got chased into the woods. Uh, I totally ran into him. He may have seen them and realized that while these guys are messing with this other car that got chased in the woods and realizes that they are a threat, that he gets out of his vehicle and bells and runs to the field. And either he got shot at that time by one of the snipers and made the call and then told his brother he was bleeding. And I don't know, it, it might be easy for somebody if they were on a four-wheel or something like that. And I'm just saying that there is no factual evidence regarding that. This is my own theory. To drive out there and hunt him down. If he was bleeding, he could have lost a lot of blood and either become unconscious. Um, he could have been attracted an animal out in the desert. There's a lot of things. But that would that would almost seem likely based off what I can make out through the phone call. Yeah, I just wish there were subtitles in real life. Right. Yeah. Well, but the thing is, is that even, I, I think I have 90% of what he's saying. Yeah. It still doesn't make any sense. Out here going on Abilene both sides of the road. What does that mean? Yeah. I, what does that I mean? I think he's saying snipers perched out here on both sides uh, of the road uh, yeah. heading towards Abilene. I think he's, I think he's just, I think he's running. I think he's trying to throw as many thoughts and, and information out as he possibly can while he's on the run just based off of what he just saw, and he's trying to get away from it. Well, and his car ran out of gas, so that's why he's not driving. Uh-huh, away. exactly. And he, I think he would have tried to flee, but his truck ran out of gas, like he said. I, yeah, it's fascinating. Um, well, and it's sad, because he yeah, has a family, and he, he has, I think he has... Some little girls, uh, Yeah, I some think. little girls who mm-hmm. don't know where their dad is. So... Go on, go on, and we'll we'll tweet it out. We'll tweet out this nine one one call. In fact, let's listen to it one more time. I want to listen to this one more time through, um, and just kind of like listen to this, you guys, because if you've if and look into this case, please, like go and look into these things. If you, who knows, maybe there's somebody who's like, well, what about this? And people will go Eureka, you know, it's there, there, there are hotlines out there for information leading towards any kind of clues for. Uh, for Brandon, so I know that there's people out there. It's also a small world. If you know somebody that knows something, let's try to help these yeah, people. Let's help them out. Let's listen to this one more time. Nine, two thousand, thirteen. Here's the original. Zero, fifty, and thirty-eight version. seconds. Nine one emergency. Yes, I'm in the middle of the field. It's like we're just pushing guys over. We're out here going towards javelin on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. I checked it to the woods. Please hurry. Okay, now run that. I mean, no, we're not talking to him. 
you ran into him. Okay. Got the first guy. Do you need an ambulance? Yeah. No, I need the cops. Okay. Is anybody hurt? Hello? Now we know he's not dead at this point because he called his brother. We know, yeah, it's weird. He just goes, he may have put the phone down if somebody was coming near him. He didn't want him to hear it or see the light of his phone. My, I think I'm just ruined by television because I assume I'm like, why don't they just run a trace on his phone number, find out where he is, and just send the cops? I don't have an answer for that. If you have any info on the Brandon Lawson case, uh, call the Texas Department of Public Safety at 512-424-5074. And uh, honestly, there are, there are a, lot of, a lot of very interesting circumstances in the world. You know, it, it's, it's fascinating because you think to yourself, like, what did Brandon know? What did Lars know? What did Elisa know? What did the Gruber family know? You know, when, when you go through these cases, what, what did Kendrick know? You know, if they could tell us, if they could tell us, if, you know, what happened. I mean, that's the most fascinating thing is that like, and maddening when you really think about it. If you're this family, Brandon's family, for instance, and you, you never know. You just never know. He could be dead, but you wouldn't know. And you don't want to give up hope. You know, you don't want to give up hope that he might be alive. He, we don't know that he's dead. It's just got to be very, very hard on these people. And it's got to be such a, just such a tough thing trying to figure out, like going through all of the thousand things. The brother going, what if I'd answered the phone? What yeah. if I told the cops? Uh, the mother of Lars Matank going, what if we just, what if we had, Sent somebody to make sure he was okay. Yeah. Alisa, uh, what if, you know, I mean, there's so many, there's so many what ifs. And I think that really is what everything that we talk about is about. Some this one it, was just a little bit sad. It was a little bit sadder because these were, things were real. They were real. And a lot of it's, you know, our the podcast that we do are speculation and they're fun because right. they're fantastic. And, 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 and that's the thing is you don't have to, you don't have to, uh, believe that that there's something that exists in in these cases you don't have to believe that that there's bigfoot or that there's uh, that there's aliens or that there's any well unless you want to believe it that that's what frederick did although i think he just like you said got yeah. confused uh all you have to do in this in this situation is know that there are 
There are strange circumstances every single day. Unexplained does not mean otherworldly. It does not mean supernatural. Always. It means unexplained. That's what it means. It means there are no answers. It means that that it will always... It means we lose sleep at night. We lose sleep at night because we're constantly <laughs> yeah. trying to figure out the answers to Oh my gosh, Sasha just scared me. <laughs> just walked in as we're, as we're talking about the scary oh, yeah. and the door opens. Yeah. But, uh, but just make sure that you guys... Uh, Look into these cases. I'd like to hear your own takes. I'd like to hear your own uh, theories. theories. Um, I, I would love to know what you think about these. And there's a lot out there. We probably could have done four podcasts just on these weird cold cases alone. But on behalf of the families, and we'd like to just say, you know, I mean, obviously, clearly the Black Dahlia and Hinterkaifeck, the, the, the wounds of those have been dead for for years and years, but it was a tragic thing. And to the memories of those people, we're, we're terribly sorry those events happened to you. And to the families of Elisa Lamb, the family of Frederick Valentich, Kendrick Johnson, Lars Matank, and Brandon Lawson, we here at Area 52 apologize for your losses. And, uh, and we wish you the best. We really do. And we hope that by talking about this, you guys will start a dialogue and keep these cases alive and keep the hope and the opportunity that these cases have to be solved. Or bring some resolution to it. Resolution, closure, whatever we can. So thank you once again for listening to Area 52. Uh, Danny, Eric, anything to say before we wrap up tonight? I'm looking to uh, forward to a happier note. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I enjoy these. They're they're fascinating. But it's tough. They're, they're the the circumstances are so mysterious. However, they're they're kind of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yep. Um Eric? Uh no, I'm excited about next week. Like Danny said, hopefully it won't be I, I, don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do. I don't know what we're gonna do. We've talked about a few options, so tune in and see where we go next. Thank you so much. Uh, for tuning into this kind of somber, melancholy edition yes. of the uh, Area yes. 52 podcast. But you know what? We'll, we'll be, be back. back. We'll be brighter. You don't know what we're going to talk about next. Who knows? Right, babe? We, oh, we yeah. Could, we, Our conspiracy is going to go crazy. We, we, yeah, it could be. It, it, you never know what we're going to talk about here. So make sure <laughs> yeah. you guys join us next time. Thanks once again for stopping by from all of us here at Area 52. We'll see you next time. The smart money's on Harlem And the moon is in the street And the shadow boys are breaking all the laws And you're east of East St. Louis And the wind is making speeches And the rain sounds like a round of applause And Napoleon is weeping And the carnival saloon his invisible fiancé's in the mirror